Hey, this is Barry, and you're listening to Alan and Brian on I Lived the 90s. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to a new, fresh episode of I Live the 90s. We are on episode 14 of this thing. I'm your boy, Alan, with my boy, Brian. How you doing, boy? Fantastic, bro. Thanks for putting me on tonight. I am super excited about tonight's show. Very excited. Oh, yeah. Tonight's show, it is all about the ladies, all right? Last week, we talked about boy bands, way too much boys. Now we're talking about the girl groups, the sister groups of the 90s, the girls that got together and belted out those R&B hits that we all know and love. I cannot wait to talk about this. I've been waiting for this episode for weeks. I'm glad we finally got to do it. But as usual, before we get into things, we got to check in with the guy who wears his overalls with one clasp down. Professor Barry, let us know what's going on. Thanks, guys. And uh, here's some things we can clean up from episode 12, Boy Bands. Uh, You guys had the timing of uh, Total Request Live pretty good. Uh, It premiered September 14th, 1998, just one month uh, before uh, Britney Spears' Baby One More Time video came out, October 23rd, 1998, which coincidentally was the day I turned 15. New Kids on the Block was an astounding success worldwide, selling over 70 million records. Their Showtime at the Apollo appearance was October 7th, 1988, which was about four years after they formed in uh, Dorchester, Massachusetts. And uh, Marky Mark Wahlberg was, in fact, an original member, uh, but he left uh, shortly thereafter. I couldn't find anything about uh, any crimes uh, while they were in the band. Um, maybe I missed it, or maybe that was another band. I don't know. Yes, Boys to Men are from Philadelphia. Insync's Tearing Up My Heart premiered in Germany, February 10th, 1997. It did very well there, also well in Sweden, the UK, and elsewhere. It was released in the US June 30th, 1998, which was between 8th and 9th grade for us. Um, definitely right about everybody who was in Mickey Mouse Club, stacked in the 90s. But you forgot one, Brian, Carrie Russell. So even more stacked than you thought. Lou Perlman uh, knew Chris Kirkpatrick, going to get your ass kicked. Uh, who brought in JT, who recommended JC, who brought in Joey uh, Fatone to play baritone, and lastly, Jason Galasso was the uh, fifth in-sync player because they needed uh, someone to sing bass. Uh, Here's where you guys kind of left the 2000s behind. Uh, No Strings Attached came out in... I'm sorry, you left the 90s behind and moved into the 2000s. No Strings Attached was January 2000. Celebrity was July 2001. It had both Gone and Girlfriend. JT's Like I Love You uh, was off his Justified album in 2002. The JT and Britney relationship was mostly in the 2000s, though it did start in the 90s. Getting back to the 90s a little bit, uh, JC's Bring It All To Me was from 1999. Five members of uh, the Backstreet Boys... But uh, making the band mostly in the 2000s, uh, start March, uh, but some of the events were from 99. Nick Lachey's uh, show Newlyweds with Jessica Simpson was August 19th, 2003. Uh, he's now married to Vanessa Ne Manillo Lachey since 2011. Uh, Maria Menunos is married to someone named Kevin Un- uh, Undergaro since 2017, but the relationship goes back to the 90s, so I guess that's a, uh, a good way of uh, wrapping up uh, that and getting us back on track for the podcast. 
Uh, lastly, really loved the uh, Michael Nesmith bits. And uh, that's all I've got. Uh, back to you guys. All right, Professor Barry, thanks so much for doing what you do, boy. Um, back in the groove with last week us doing boy bands. It only made sense to do sister groups, so I am super excited because this, you know, we talked about being haters last week, Alan. Like, we, we love boy bands now and looking back, but, like, sister groups just, that that hit with me in the 90s, in the mid-90s. Just, like, I feel like I grew up on that music more than anything, all my, my slant was always R&B. Anything that I was ever looking at was like Boys to Men, SWV, TLC, all that stuff. So all of these like really hit for me and I'm excited to get into them. So I think it makes the most sense to go with was the biggest group of them all that spanned the entire time and they had three really good albums in this entire decade was TLC, T-Boz, Left Eye, and Chili. First, did you have a favorite of the three of them? And then we'll start talking about them as a group. Oh man, you mean uh, like talent or looks? Yeah, or whatever. whatever or... Were you drawn to one in particular for any any reason you want? I mean, not not at first, just because I was I was young when when they came out. I mean, I like I like their music when when I got older and they got a little bit older and more mature, <laughs> in uh in, in their in their looks and in their videos. Man, uh, Chili had it going on, man. I mean, Chili pulled Usher and like has an entire album called like Confessions written about her. So you and Usher well, are, are on this. You, you see well, it together. She didn't just pull Usher. She pulled like 14 year old Usher. Like Usher was like, man, like I'm not messing around with the kids my age, man. I want that one over there. She's like 20. I'm going to go for that. <laughs> so I think my favorite was always T-Boz. I always saw her as like the sort of like de facto leader of the gang because she had like I think you're right in terms of pure voice. Like Chili had a had a special like voice and talent for sure. And then Left Eye was supremely crazy, which we're definitely going to get into. Um, and she was more of the rapper and that kind of. And I never even in like you know we talked last week about the the, the band the, the 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 girl group Black. I didn't like that like rapper part, part person in that band either. I always thought of them as like the little Chihuahuas. You know, to bring it back to like yeah. a couple episodes ago, just like I never liked anything. And I think it. It's like going one step further, it stems from that girl's role in uh, Bring It On, if you remember that at all. Like, Black was like part of the Clovers in Bring It On. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're like Gabrielle Union's like gang, and that one that's like, we're going to be starting something. Like, she's the girl from Black, who I think... The rapper girl from Black. I think also died. If I mean, Barry, check all of this, I, I, but I'm pretty sure she also died. And she's like the similar role as like Left Eye, who died. But T-Boz, I always saw as like the sort of the de facto leader of the game, had a very like, I, I don't know what it is for girls, it's a soprano maybe, it's like the baritone kind of mid-range, just like very smooth um, uh, voice. So T-Boz for me. Um, how do you want to take this on, man? We can talk about the favorite albums. We can just kind of go through each album. I'm really happy to play it. However, like we can spend the entire time talking about TLC as long as I care, as, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they really are the sister group of, of the nineties of, of the decade. I mean, just album one, album two, album three, um, mm -hmm. each spaced out kind of in different, different parts of the decade. You yeah. had their first album that came out kind of in the early nineties. I think it was 1992 that had that new Jack, early 90s sound that yeah. was popular at the time and then later with the crazy sexy cool album i think came out in 96 97 it had that mid and late night like they changed their sound 
with the decade as the decade continued yeah. and then finally with uh, that third album well, the, uh, is it no scrub i know no scrubs is on the album i forget that the name is of the fan album. mail yeah yeah so uh even that sound too more kind of electronic more mm-hmm. uh kind of uh, not not necessarily techno but more synth and just uh they they evolved really well and stayed relevant and were stylish and uh you know that they're number one as far as as far as 90 sister groups i think you hit the nail on the head man i think what i remember from their first album which was called ooh on the tlc tip like 15 o's and three h's like ooh um was their style was like like painter chic or something they had like white clothes but they had like yellow and red and like i just remember left eye had that huge like uh Who's the guy that used to sing that had the fake nose? Um, oh, name? Humpty. Humpty. You remember that hat he had? Like she also had yeah. one of those like big mushroom hats also. Um, and they had like the pajamas, not the pajamas. What do they call them? The, the overalls. So, like that was a big deal. Like crisscross wore them. These guys wore them, but theirs were always white and were like paint splattered. And they actually, you know who they look like? They look like Shanene. <laughs> I guess they were dressed like it, right? They were. Uh, and then you, you were absolutely right. They, they evolved, and they got sort of sultry and sexy in, like, the the uh, the uh, second album, the Crazy Sexy Cool. And that's when, like, Creep came out. That's when Red Light Special, that's, what was the, Waterfalls. So that was probably their, like, most commercially successful one. And then they evolved again. And, yeah, that last fan mail, I, I bought it the day like the week that it came out, because I was like in the bag for, for TLC at that point. And I remember the first song was super electronic. And it was like, this is with the rise of the internet. So like fan mail had actually gone from like, used to be able to like write letters to these people. And there were books. We had a book in, in my eighth grade class, actually, where part of the assignment was you're supposed to look up uh, different three different people that you would write a letter to, uh, a piece of fan mail to. And I remember I wrote, uh, I intended to write to Jenny McCarthy, on, and I did write to Jenny McCarthy on from Singled Out because she had just come out on on the show, MTV show Singled Out if you remember that. Um, but I wrote it till I called her like Jenny Garth, who was actually the girl from like not Melrose Place. I was like I I didn't remember that until like after I sent it. I was like, well, I'm I'm not getting a response to that one for sure. Um, right, but then I got to call a timeout here because you reminded me of a story I've I've got to tell. It's it's kind of off on a tangent but it's about writing letters to, to celebrities you have the floor. i only wrote one letter ever to a celebrity and it was the hulk hogan all right but it was it, it was it was prompted so so in on in, in the wrestling show in wwf hulk hogan got sat on by a big fat guy named earthquake i remember that they called it, him out of the top row broke, yeah and it broke his ribs it broke his ribs. i mean it didn't actually break his ribs but yeah. from the storyline it broke his ribs really in real life he had to take time off to go film no holds barred and he, uh, they just had to write him off a of TV, but uh, they him. made a big thing about it. Or like, you know, Hulk Hogan needs your help and he needs your prayers and, you know, write your get well cards and, and send them to him, send them <laughs> to this P.O. box. So, you know, pulls out, a, I pull out a sheet of notebook paper, you know, get well soon, Hulk Hogan, you know, Hulkamania rules. <laughs> Mail, we mailed it in, never got anything back. But, but when Hulk Hogan came back to, to wrestling, came back to TV, they did an interview with him. You know he's well now and he's healthy again. He's big and strong. He's ready. To, he's ready to get his revenge on Earthquake. And he uh-huh. goes, and thanks to all the little Hulkamaniacs for all your awesome get well cards that I read. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I think so. I didn't do very much of it either since we've gone down this this uh, track. 
I wrote one to Nolan Ryan because I had a Nolan Ryan card. This was at my like grandpa's request or behest, excuse me. And he was like, why don't you write him a letter? Just say, hey, you know, tell, give him your name, your age, tell him something about yourself. Ask him if he can sign it for you. He got he got a an address for him. So I sent it off. Totally forgot about it. Like months later, I get something in the mail and it's like, oh yeah, I sent it. And it was just like a, it was a, actually it was just a typed out like prompt that just said, you know, thanks for sending this in. You know, unfortunately, Mr. Ryan can't yada, 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 but you know, he couldn't sign it because they don't want to devalue his, uh, his whatever. But then I remembered there's actually like sort of a, a pretty well-known controversy, not controversy, but just like sort of known that you might not actually have Nolan Ryan's autograph if you have Nolan Ryan's autograph on something because he would just have guys, like he would pay other players like in the clubhouse to like sign for him basically. So, (laughs) So anyway, back to life, back to reality, Um, back to sister groups. TLC, we pulled off in the middle of, I think we can check the tape, but we pulled off right in the middle of me saying like fan mail was great, but was there a song that like, cued you off to TLC that resonates even now that you still listen to? It's from that first album. From from that first album, uh, Baby, Baby, Baby. And I remember that song when it came out. I was I was just a kid. Yeah. And it says the S it says the S word, the S E X word. You know, I like plenty <laughs> of conversation with my sex. <laughs> I mean <laughs> So young, I I, I I enjoyed it then. I enjoy it now. What can I say? (laughs) It was a good song. It's a good beat. I think. I think. Like. I thank God that my mom did not listen to words because I don't do it either. Like you just like a good beat and you kind of sing along and you don't realize what's being said because if she had heard half the words that I was listening, she'd like, "What are you doing? What is going on?" Or maybe it's just like the beat was so good she didn't care. Uh, I don't know. that was a good one. So I've found myself actually going back and listening to that album uh, a lot more in my adulthood. I didn't listen to it much then. I always knew the hits off of it. Um, but since I've gone back, I think my favorite one off that is uh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, which is very suggestive because they're talking about being forward as like women and like kind of asking for sex too. So it's kind of like interesting to see like... Just stuff you don't pick up on as a little kid, or maybe it's so overt that you just kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's the hammer pants of this episode. I'm sure if I had realized it, I would have <laughs> I would have cried listening to it. Um, but I think the one that I always remembered was uh, Crazy Sexy Cool. It's probably my favorite one, because it just had so many really, really good songs. Creep uh, with like, I, I don't know what instrument that was, like a trumpet or something like that, or maybe it was all synth to sound like one, but it was a very like, interesting uh, uh beat then waterfalls was like it had to be the biggest hit right i think it was that or no scrubs mm-hmm. do you have an opinion on the matter i think no scrubs takes takes top bidding on i like that, it more top billing on that. i like it more uh, i just remember like waterfalls having this unprecedented run to, to the point where like i got sick of hearing it on on the radio i just remember that was like i got to the point where i would just turn the dials like all right i've, I've heard enough of that song and like the video See, between the- yeah go ahead yeah, just between the two songs, I always, when they get a lot of radio play, I always pick the one that you would actually hear in a club. Mm. You would hear no scrubs in a club. You would not hear waterfalls in a club. Would you hear no pigeons in the club? Ah, if you went to if you were in a club in Houston, you would. If you went to Bayou Mamas, you would. <laughs> Bayou Mamas, famously of the place Alan wants to go back and listen to Sweat by CNC Music Factory. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't right. that sound like a, a very 
like even though it's like two years apart signed it sort of like crossing over episodes here like sweat has a very like distinct 1990s like sound of the night like the early 90s and i feel like tlc was like even though it was like only a year or two later it sounded totally different so i feel like that that evolved because even the boy bands from the beginning to the end like we were talking about last week evolved and just like the sounds were so different you know i think people had kind of like started phasing out that hardcore synth that had come in just from pop music in the 80s and we're getting maybe back into like or maybe the sounds just got better and more you know real sounding and it kind of got, got gotten away from that electronic stuff um but yeah any other thoughts i mean i liked no no who is it sporty thieves is that who sang no pigeons that sounds familiar i don't know i don't know who sang that i, <laughs> I just remember it when it started coming on it was great because guys had something to like, you know, I, I think it came out at a time when we didn't have cars either. Or if we did have cars, like I definitely was like being driven by a friend. I didn't have my car yet. So I remember being like, man, it's like they're singing directly at me. <laughs> you were hanging out the passenger side. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't hollering at anybody. Um, yeah. Follow up. Anything, um, anything on TLC you want to you want to take on? No, let's uh let's move let's move on to the next uh sister group on the agenda. I I I'd like to talk about SWV next sisters with S voice. S W I love SWV. Um, famously of the the couple episodes when I said the the famous joke by not famous but like the joke I know from Joe Tory. Um, we said they look like Jodeci and drag, which I never I never had a commentary on on the way on the way SWV looked honestly. Um, but they could sing. They were. You know, if TLC was like this pop in your face kind of like fresh, like SWV was a much more like traditional what you think of like harmonizing, very like soulful, like almost like music to be hurt to. I guess is the way I felt. That's exactly right. It's it's pining music. Yeah, what I, what I call it. like just man that that album they came out with in the early '90s uh, had uh, weak. It had I'm so into you. Mm -hmm. It was like I I equate all this to a place in time 1992 the summer of 1992 between my second and second grade and third grade it was our last summer in a leaf uh, where i grew up before we moved to mm -hmm. spring where i kind of finished you know the rest of my elementary middle and high school and uh man like the swv album had come out i think that summer tlc's first album came out that summer and you just you know, it was a simpler time. I, I spent a lot of time during the summers as a kid, especially that summer, just sitting in my room listening to the radio. So, and uh, yeah. S SWV had those just soulful, pining, you know, hurt songs. And you just you just sit there as a kid, listen to it, and just think about the girl you like. <laughs> so SWV, it was called It's About Time, came out in 1992. You were spot on with that one. I think the first one that came out, was right here and that song is famous for i know you know the answer to this oh sampling uh michael jackson's human nature that's right um a very good song i just think the melodies the tones i mean that's a good song to begin with like if you're gonna have a baseline song that's a very good song and you can hear you know michael jackson kind of singing very low in the in the background they were able to keep his vocals or replicate them in some in some way um that was such a good song i think it still holds up today i think a lot of their songs still hold up today you know maybe if you hear something from uh per me personally if i hear something from tlc it takes me back and i think about kind of the time and where i was and the houses that we lived in i mean you know it's it's kind of hard for me you know you were able to kind of say like oh i was at a leaf that year and then the rest of the time i was at spring like 
I moved around a lot with, with my mom. You know, we moved to Dallas. We were in Lubbock for a while. I just like, so there's a, there's a whole mishmash of like things that I have, but between the second and third grade year, I definitely remember like, that's when I got like turned on to like rap music, like Snoop Dogg, I think, um, what's my name was the, was the very first like rap album. So I, I always skewed towards R and B and hip hop and rap and all that as, as a young kid for the most part. Um, and then they pulled out with, I think week was probably their, you know, they, th- that was probably their most famous one, which was later done by, do you I remember think. Jojo? Jojo, uh, get out yeah. right now. I think they did. I think she covered, yeah. uh, I think she covered week and I think she covered maybe another, uh, SWV song too, though. She was like popular from oh. just being a young kid in the two thousands. Um, SWV. Yeah. That, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right where it just takes you back to that, that time of like growing and being like, just being emotional and like, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand what's happening, but I like it. I like all this music. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's push forward a little bit. Let's talk about, or, sorry, I don't want to cut you off if you have anything about SWB, but I'm ready to kind of go, go forward. Let's keep going. In Vogue. Um, what do you think of In Vogue? Man, In Vogue, man, they, they were a little bit different than the other ones because yeah. they, their, their instrument was their voice. So mm-hmm. I'd say when you're, when you're comparing sister groups, their vocals, their voice, the way they harmonized with each other was just a thing of beauty no one did it like them their coordination not just in how they sing but then in their style they would Mm -hmm. wear you know the same slim kind of slim fitting kind of cocktail dresses and gloves and Mm -hmm. just the way they kind of uh coordinated their their dance moves they um i don't i don't know they had a very unique style there was really nothing like them they were kind of a throwback they were they were throwback to like diana ross and the supremes kind of exactly what i was thinking Um, of but with the modern, you know, with with a with a modern with the modern twist, modern subject matter, um, you know, they had that song "Never Gonna Get It," which, uh, yeah, as a kid's like, yeah, yeah, whoever that is is never gonna get it. Well, you know, now I know what <laughs> "Never Gonna Get It" means. <laughs> um, yes, yes to all. Um, in Vogue, I remember my just kind of like personal take. Well, they were more mature. It felt like than the other bands. Like they were developed there were women they were just kind of almost going to an entirely different audience and when you said like diana ross i think you hit the nail on the head that was who they were kind of going at like and also they had a fourth member the other two groups that we talked about had three so they they weren't also like tlc wasn't necessarily like a harmonizing group they had the rapper they had the singer and then they had just kind of a soulful one and sw was a little more like they had a high they had a mid they had a low and these guys were able to harmonize with two highs and two lows and i think that fourth person was like really like it made a difference in the way that the, the things that they could do with their, their harmonizing. Um, so do you have any like personal anecdotes or anything that in Vogue, like do you remember them for or strikes you? I remember, well, I remember they did the intro um, music for the, the first intro theme for hanging with Mr. Cooper. And they were actually in, <laughs> in the intro. Oh, he was too, yeah. And he had like the basketballs, like the smoky, yeah. yeah. And they were like dressed up as yeah, in Vogue. Yeah. He, like, yeah, they were in Vogue, and then his roommates were in the video too, Vanessa and uh, and Robin. And he just he just kind of had his harem of in Vogue and his roommates <laughs> just singing around him and grabbing on him, and he's shooting baskets and just. I'm like, man, this this guy's the man. Nell Nell Carter wasn't wasn't in there. Oh, that was late. <laughs> that was later. <laughs> she wasn't in the harem of women. <laughs> 
<laughs> what was Nell Carter's role? She was the principal, right? She was the principal PJ. Yeah, she's a. Uh, I knew her from Give Me a Break. That's how. That's how long yeah. I've been watching. Television. She's been around. <laughs> Yeah. I don't. I don't remember too many. Raven Simone was also on. She was the little kid, right? Was that her first? Or she was already on the Cosby Show, right? That was post Cosby. She was. That was kind of her second show. Yeah. So she, uh, I mean, I feel like Cosby. she was like between the ages of zero and five for like fifteen years. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. She was a child like forever, and then then she just had that show that's so Raven. And, yeah, like, and then she was like a cheater aged, girl, like fifteen. 15 years, yeah. I mean, those are some informative years, that, that 12 to, to 17 or whatever she was. Because, yeah, she just she became a part of the Cheetah Girls, which was like, it was just 3LW with raven Simone. Like, it, was a re- it was a rework of 3LW. <laughs> which was, I mean, uh, I don't think we can sneak them in. They were 2000s, right? Yeah, yeah, but they got it going on, man. They were great. Real W's, both I still... W and Cheetah Girls, they're both <laughs> good. I feel really, Raven don't need to be in there. A little behind the scenes, every now and then, Alan will like text me a random, like, uh, what 3LW, and I'll do it back to Alan. We'll text, like, random lyrics back and forth to each other. <laughs> What's the song? I remember the one they did with Naughty by Nature. That was, like, the anthem Baby, to, like... Do, right? That was, well, that, that was the anthem to me going to prom was the one they feels good to me good to me remember that one 2002 shout oh, out yeah. to i live the 2000s um but yeah um in vogue mr cooper where were we at we, we got kind of off on a on a tangent here i think mr cooper i i only remember what what i don't know how i don't know how we got off on raven and uh, well, Cheetah good. Girls. And i'm glad we're stuff. here now that we have a chance to explore the only thing i re- like episode i clearly remember about uh, from um, the Mark Curry show. What was it? Hang with Mr. Cooper was when Vanessa, like, you know, the, the old joke of like the, the internet joke of like the Nigerian prince that's like super rich. And like, if you send me some money, like whatever, like she actually met oh. a Nigerian prince <laughs> and she, yeah. she like bought into the whole garb. Like she changed her whole appearance. Like she started wearing the the traditional African, you know, uh, fashion or whatever it was. And I just remember she had this gigantic rock and the whole the, the the one scene I always remember she's like, this thing could break glass, and she like hits it on something, and it like shatters in her. And Robin's like, that is glass. She's <laughs> 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 broken. Um, that's the only thing I remember about hanging with Mr. Cooper. I mean, I remember a lot like Omar. When oh, I remember Omar Gooding Jr. because I was a big fan of Wild and Crazy Kids, and he was a host. It was like Omar, Donnie, and Jessica. There was two. There was a Hispanic girl and a white girl. You remember that show? I'm not sure. No, but I I remember Omar Gooding from from Hanging, and I I remember he was on that show long enough where Cuba Gooding got real famous. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s uh baby brother. Well, yeah, that well that became the other way. It used to be Cuba was Omar Gooding Jr.'s brother, and then it was like, oh, Omar is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother. If I had a brother, I would want to be the the brother that like was the center of it. Like the other one revolved around me. That's definitely how. I, that's probably why I was an only child. Yeah, to spare, yeah, you don't. <laughs> Moving on. Um, okay, let's push forward. I think I, I think I've I've exhausted in vogue. Um, so let's push forward and talk about the band that kind of were cheating here by sticking them in the nineties. Not really. They had two albums that came out nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine, but their wild success came in the two thousands and later. And I'm talking about the one and only 
Destiny's Child, uh, the Beehive. Hopefully, we're accepting all of you in, in, in the retros who come listen to this. Uh, we, we could use the listens. But Destiny's Child um, came out, and they were like almost like a straight hip-hop girls group because they could sing for sure. This is when they had four members. Talking about that other band, like the Cheetah Girls or whatever, like they went the other way. They had four girls to begin with, and then one went the way of like Judy, Judy, uh, <laughs> Judy Winslow, Judy Winslow, <laughs> just like went away, and they became a a, a trio. Um, opening thoughts on Destiny's Child. Well, they're Houston's Destiny's Child, right? I know right. at least Beyonce and uh, Kelly Knowles, I Which, think, are native Houstonians. That's Destiny's Child. They could like, what's her? We we got into this on an on a on a text thread one time because we'll we'll do like birthdays, and we did Michelle Williams, and I thought immediately, well, you thought of Michelle Williams, who is like the third member of Destiny's Child, and I thought of Michelle Williams, who was like married to like Heath Ledger, which I it never dawned on me they were oh. two humans. <laughs> With the name Michelle Williams. So what what I was saying though was like the Destiny's Child is just those two. Like they've been in every iteration of it, even the nineteen ninety-two version that ended up on Star Search called Girls Time T Y M E. Oh. Um yeah, but uh no, it's it's they were I mean they hit the ground running. I mean they as much as they toggled their lineup for those first, you know, a couple of albums, um, you wanna talk about you know, say my name, Bugaboo, Oof, great song, jumping, jumping, bills, bills, bills. I mean, just hit after hit after hit, right at the end of of the '90s. And man, I I can't think of another band or another group where right from the instant they got famous, it was one person and it was Beyonce. Maybe not since the Jackson Five. I mean, because even. Because even in sync, I mean, we were talking about that, you know, last mm-hmm. episode that Justin emerged, but not like from the get go. It's not like right when the Instinct came out, it's like, oh, that's the guy. That that's that's the guy. That's the best one in this crew. Mm-hmm. But all eyes were on Beyonce from from the instant they got famous. Yeah, I remember um, being super confused because she, and even to this day, still continues to evolve her, like, look all the time, and between the two albums, she had, they had, like, I can't remember what order it went in, but they went from, like, braids and dreadlocks to, like, straight hair, and I was like, what happened to the, to the one, the, like, the really good-looking one, Beyonce, obviously, and it took me a while to, like, believe until I heard her singing again, I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely, like, the same one, because I thought they replaced somebody, basically, which they did, it just wasn't her, um, it's just a different one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they came out and and hop and I think they were a nice transition to what came at the same time on the male side, which was like No Limit. Like No Limit was like starting to take off and take over the guy scene. So like you had the boy bands and stuff like that, but then for people like us that weren't into boy bands, like No Limit in Texas was just unstoppable. I mean, hit after hit after it was it was to the point where they would have a hit. And then, like, one line would be taken out of that that was, like, repeated. And then they just make an entire different song based on, like, that yeah. book, basically. <laughs> um, like, number one stunner. Like, an example of that is, uh, like, uh, uh, Get Your Roll On, I think, makes a <laughs> comment about, you know, I'm the number one stunner. And then yeah. now we have a song, the number one stunner. <laughs> Get Your Roll On is a great song. Which one's with the Frog guys? But you can't. Oh, that's that's number one. <laughs> that's number one stunner. And that new and the new Mercedes wagon with the kit that's kitted out. Look like it got frog eyes come out in two thousand and one. <laughs> I got that on dubs. 
<laughs> everything on dubs. That was at the time of like the Spreewells were coming out, uh, Pimp My Ride was coming out. So 20s, I mean, I feel like Master P personally is responsible for like dubs. I mean, they, they just became like, they were singing about them. They had, the, they had everything, Spinners. They had, there was a song called Spinners. Riding Spinners, yeah. <laughs> um, but back to Destiny's Child. I think, yeah, they, what you were talking about earlier were like, Songs sound better after you hear them like loud or in a club or something. Like they just hit different after that because they're performed the way that they're meant to. Because like on my shitty Alpine in my you know car, it's not going to sound very good. But like when you hear it the way it's supposed to be, it's like oh, that's that's the way it's supposed to go. For a long time, I've been trying to come up with a name for that for that phenomenon where you hear a song, okay, I like it, and they, but you hear it at a party or at a club or at a wedding or somewhere. And then you hear it again after that, and it it hits totally different, and it just goes up five, six levels. Where I, I don't, I wish there was a name for that because I know exactly what you're talking about, and it happens a lot. Well, aren't most like you know hypotheses and stuff like that named after the people that come up with them? Just call it like the the Sawaris theorem. <laughs> it's the Allen effect. The Allen effect. The Allen Parsons effect. Um, I think that one's take. I think that one's taken. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I don't know that there's much beyond that. I think everything that they really did was like 2000s and later. And you know, there was the the who was better, Kelly, uh, because Kelly was like she's sort of the JC in this. That like that first song she came out with, she had Nelly. She had the Nelly feature, and then she had right. um, man, what was her whatever her first song was? I really liked it. Um, but before we get too far into that, I think. We actually ended up skipping something here looking through the notes that I think is like worthy of talking about, which is, I guess I broached it a little bit, but like Left Eye, um, you had a story about Left Eye that I think we cannot oh, yeah. not talk about. <laughs> I, I know it doesn't fit I mean, perfectly, but we got to get it in. She, she was the crazy one, right? She yeah. straight up burned Andre Risen's house down. Burned she, it down. She, I don't know if she thought he was cheating. I don't know if we got into a big fight, but basically, in, unintentionally, allegedly, she got like all of his clothes and like stuffed animals that he'd given her and like doused it in alcohol in the bathtub and like lit it on fire, thinking like it would be self contained and the entire house went down. <laughs> she never, did she ever get charged or anything? No, for that? I'm or very right. Just, like, yeah. just kind of moved on. Like, well, she burned my house down. Well, I guess that's it. <laughs> Was uh, were they uh, were they married? Were they just together? It's like a baby mama. I don't know the situation. Uh, I think they were just. I think they were just together. You know, they actually had a just piggybacking on last week's uh, conversation. They had their own um, Lou Pearlman situation with a woman named Pebbles. Um, I looked this up a few years ago, so you know, Barry, this will be a chance for you to to really correct us. But basically, they signed a horrible deal. She sort of found them. And shepherded them through the process with the contracts and stuff. And and that's the kind of thing where, like, you don't go into those things blind. Or if you do, you realize, like, yes, there is a level that you're going to have to give something up because you just, you don't have the leverage, right? And I get that. And I think they did, too. And they're so, like, they're so starved for that attention. And they can see it. Not attention. Like, stardom. They're so starved for that stardom, and they're so close to it that all you're saying I have to do is sign this paper and, like, my dreams come true. And all you think about is, like, the lifestyle, right? You don't really think about what's going on. And the way that and, – and this is a theme that's come up in every single episode that we've done about 
the music industry, even back from what was the CMC Music Factory, um, Two Tones of Fun. Oh, the Martha Wash. Yeah, Martha, uh, Martha Walsh. Martha Wash controversy. They yeah. just, it's super predatory. So what they ended up doing was signing a horrible deal. And what they do is they pay you, but then they take everything that you spend off of like your take. So like they, they half everything with you, so they get their half off the top. But then all of your expenses are basically sort of taken from you, depending on how the deal goes down. So like they would go out to eat, they would have retainers, they would have all this stuff, and they thought like, oh, the record label's like taken care of. It's like, no, the record label's going to get their money back. Anything they put into you, they're going to get back. And then what's left over is what's distributed to you because they're paying for you out on the road. They're paying for all your hotels, but they're not. You are. And it's a really like, I think it's just something that's unexpected. And I think if you went into it kind of knowing that, um, and, and you know where I learned a lot about this from is from Losing My Virginity, the biography um, by Richard Branson uh, of like Virgin Atlantic, Virgin Records, all that stuff. And he said, basically, it's it's almost like being at a craft table or like it's a it's a bet every single time. And what you need is one monster hit. You need a Beatles. And his was something called Tubular Bells. Like if you know the music from Halloween, like like that song basically funded Virgin Records for like the first five years or something because he had a hit on that. And he had a hard time with that. Not to get off on too far of a tangent, but he had a hard time with that guy who was like, he had a horrible stage fright and didn't like performing. And that's how you can make money supporting the album. So that's really how, that's why you see these bands on tour all the time because they may not make all their money on the pressing of the CDs because there's costs associated with that, with the studio, with all that stuff. But right. then they go out on the road and they they, they can recoup some of their, their funds. So that's why you see these smaller bands, not small like, you know, 100 people, but like these kind of halfway bands between the lowers and like the TLCs, like, hawking merch actually because that's where they get a majority of their stuff they've licensed out their likeness to all that stuff i mean you're the business major here man i'm just preaching to the choir you probably know all this stuff already i'm not really a music law guy or a music business guy (laughs) you're more into fountain drinks um right (laughs) that's a that's a good that's a good inside joke folks if we if we do a hundred of these episodes it'll come out i'm sure um Unfortunately, though, like later, she ended up passing away in a plane crash, right? Or was that Aaliyah? Or was uh, that both? Aaliyah was plane. She was. Uh, Plus, she died in a car wreck. Was it on tour? Do you know? Would you know anything about that? I don't mind looking it up. No, she. I think she was in Costa Rica. She was somewhere so down south, and not, not in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. And uh, or, or driving's a little more dangerous than uh, than what it is here. Mm-hmm. I think um, she was in like a Jeep or she was in a vehicle that didn't have like good safety, either missing doors or no seat belts, and um, she crashed. Yeah, young, 31 years old, uh, died in 2002. So um, I guess fan mail had already come out. Um, they, I don't know if they were going to be back uh, in it, but man, yeah, that's it's super sad that she, she died in, in pretty short order. You know, we've, in talking about all these episodes, we've kind of figured out ways or thought about ways to configure and we strongly considered you know sort of a, a music deaths episode because there's so like the music industry in particular seems to be snake bitten by a lot of these things and we've gotten a lot of the the information out you know with with left eye today there's the Aaliyah one but that was more 2000s and kind of why we decided against it but there was Aaliyah there was um Tupac and Biggie I mean so we're always looking for cool ways to to kind of bring stuff up and, and tie them in that are that are uh you know different 
and it made sense to do sister groups this week after doing boy bands. So I think, you know, starting to kind of wind it down. If there's, you know, any more groups or any other, I think even expanding it a little bit to R&B, I'd be okay with and just like women singers. Cause like there were just so, so many of them with so much talent that I can think of. And I hear their songs. I'm like, man, I love that. Um, is there anybody you wanted to make sure that we kind of snuck into this episode? I mean, we can, I mean, shoot, we can go another hour talking about just the individual <laughs> acts, Mary J. Blige, Monica, Brandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it just, it was such a rich decade for female R&B singers, whether it's groups, whether it's individuals, mm-hmm. kid. I mean, Brandy and Monica were really young when they, when they started their careers. Yeah. Um, the boys just, mine. just a great, just a great decade for, for, for female R&B music. So yeah, the boys mind was like a really popular thing because I think is it was the the first time I remember kind of like being played by the record industry but not caring actually because there was this fabricated like rivalry between Brandy and between Monica and I think you and I both agree Monica had like the talent um like for some reason Brandy was known and I don't know if she did like a couple albums then went straight to the TV show on UPN Brandy um but then you know so she was just kind of the known commodity a little more like polished a little more you know like pushed to the forefront but monica just had a lot more soul a lot more range the more powerful voice and i think she was just the better of the two for sure and they did that song together in collaboration called the boy is mine um which is like never made sense to me that two beautiful women would be fighting like who is this guy is, is it michael jordan is it was it wanye <laughs> morris is that who they were fighting over the thing is monica was more of the more pure vocal artist mm-hmm. she was a she was a singer yeah i mean she had a she had a great voice and I, I think she's the better singer of the two brandy was more of a professional performing artist whether it's singing or acting because people forget before moesha mm-hmm. really before she dropped any album she was on a show called thea when she was a little girl oh really so she was yeah yeah she was um which was set in houston by the way um but um she was she was into show, but she was a show business girl. She was into show business at a young age, the singing, the acting, whereas Monica's more of the, more of the straight singer. So, you know, they, they each had their, had their talents. Brandy, a great singer. Don't get me wrong, but, mm-hmm. uh, but Monica was a level, level up. It was a big, yeah. I mean, and then like, if, let's, if we're going to go down this rabbit hole a little bit, there was like the two queen bees of the era, which were Whitney Houston and mariah carey like that was i think that was a legit like beef between those two because both had incredible voices um and mariah carey had just like power like nobody's business but i still like listen to and get chills when i listen to um what's the one from the bodyguard that she's saying i should probably know this i will always love you yeah like it's just a a a fantastic song um there was actually a, a different one i think um let me look it up real quick i want to dance with somebody <laughs> this is also a very good song um it was i have nothing i have nothing is actually a much better oh, song yeah. to me um and there's like a key change and there's just like i, I don't know man I, that's that song always like gets me even to this day and mariah carey famously was the first girl i ever said i wanted to marry i remember that Oh, well, her and Nick Cannon aren't together anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, how do I follow up Nick Cannon and Tony Miola and whoever else she's been? I don't know, man, but she's 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 lost a step. She had her chance. 
you know. <laughs> she blew it. <laughs> let her off the hook. Um, did you have uh, a preference between the two of them? Uh, probably Mariah Carey, actually, because uh, I mean Whitney was a more pure singer, but Mariah had more of the uh, she had presence. I don't know how. To, yeah, not just the presence. I mean, her voice was really good, but her but her music wasn't always just about her voice. Mm-hmm. The beats were better. There was, they were. was more dancey. Like uh, Honey, that, that song, Honey, that she had. She collaborated just, well. Yeah. I know. Like, just, you know, you could, things you could hit the dance floor with. Whitney Houston, other than maybe just a couple of songs, you just kind of, you just kind of sit back and listen to the music in your car, in your, mm-hmm. in your house, wherever. Yeah. No, there's an entire, like, um, channel that I subscribe to on uh, Spotify that's just like, I think it's just like the, the, what you call it, Mariah Carey Station. And you want to talk about just like, I don't know, there's like seven albums she has that have like, six or seven good songs on everything just like you name it like she's done it all i think what you were talking about with the difference between justin timberlake and jc of just having the management shepherding you a little better i think she had that she was always on either her people or she was always on the leading edge of like what's hot what's coming up like she saw like that song you were talking about honey i think that was a that was bad boy that was uh p diddy that helped her do that yeah um and like and she just sung with what's that song she did with jay-z um don't remember. She had a song with she had a song with Jay Z. I believe it's, it. I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. Let me see. I'll find it. We'll cut the, we'll cut all this out. <laughs> we'll edit it in post. Jay Z, Mariah, Heartbreaker. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Was that ODB too? No. What she did? See, I mean, she did. She was available to do with everything. And the problem see, really. With ODB. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The real problem was that like. Whitney Houston got tangled up with like Bobby Brown, man. I mean, that's the the story yeah. of that one. Like they, I think they were just bad for each other. I think the way it was played originally was like, oh, Bobby Brown dragged Whitney Houston down. But kind of looking back at it as an adult, I think they were just, just too toxic for each other, man. They just couldn't handle that the love was too passionate. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's wind it down. We kind of got off task a little here, but I don't mind. I like talking about this stuff. Um, any final thoughts about? sister groups from the 1990s man just so so many good groups you know what i think we should do what i think after this episode drops we should do a facebook poll and i encourage all our listeners to check us out on facebook i'm, I'm calling that the vip lounge if i live the 90s there's oh. just so much good chilling I'm, and sharing and interaction going on i in love there. the people in there let's have a poll Favorite '90s group: Destiny's Child, En Vogue, SWV, or TLC. And let, let the people decide. My favorite of all of them is still SWV. I like TLC, so there's one for each. We'll see. The, that 20 TLC 2020. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, man. I think that was a great way to talk about it. Uh, again, thank you to everybody. It's a it's it's a private group, but you can get in. You just uh, you know, like you're, it's all, sh- what's great about it is all in, 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 in the, in the group, everything that's done is there. So please do, do, uh, check out the group, go check us out on Instagram. Um, these are dropping on, you know, these are dropping on okay. iTunes and Spotify. So we're, we're everywhere, man. Like we're really having uh, a good time getting some, some good, um, momentum. But if you guys, seriously, if you have any suggestions or something that you want to hear like we are all about adapting and figuring out like to try and bring the people what they want i mean that's that's why we did boy bands last week and then we'd always we'd been wanting to do this one for a while but we're trying to find a, a way to fit it in so it seemed perfect to match up the two 
But um, man, thank you so much, Alan, for for jumping on tonight. It's always great chatting with you, man. It's great as usual, man. We'll uh, we'll see y'all next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to I Lived the 90s. You can find past podcasts along with the companion blog with photos on the website, ilivedthe90s.com, 90s spelled out. You can also listen to Alan and Brian on Apple or Spotify. If you subscribe or leave a comment, it helps more people discover the podcast. Thanks so much for your support.